Welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of our Try Catch podcast powered by EI2. Today, some fabulous guests will be talking about their personal experiences as women in technology. My name is Sydney Andreessen, and I will be our guest host of the day. I have some great women here with me for this episode, so let's just get started with some introductions. I myself am an application developer at Farm Credit Services of America, where I have been for just under a year and a half. And now I'll let you all introduce yourselves to our listeners. If you could give your name and a little information about your career and what you do, that would be excellent. I'll start, I guess. Uh, Shauna Dorsey. So I'm with Mutual of Omaha Insurance Company, and I am an, um, a manager in our information services area, and I focus mostly on talent attraction, engagement, and retention. I'll turn it over to Monica if that's helpful. Sure. So Monica Phillip, Director of Leadership and Member Development at the AIM Institute. Um, I, gosh, I've, I feel like I've done so many different hats in the organization, but currently I help um, our leader IT Leadership Academies uh, programs and then also work with our board members and engagement in the community with um, the members. So. And hi, I'm Kate Larson. I am a Salesforce administrator also at Farm Credit Services of America. I've been uh, there for now six years. So I started as an intern, worked part-time, and then for the past three years now, I've been working on the Salesforce team, um, started as a business analyst, and then moved into uh, a little bit more of a technical role as an administrator. I've been loving that. Awesome. We're so glad to have you all here today. So let's just get the conversation warmed up with a question that hopefully feels like a no-brainer. Why is it so important for women to be in technology? And don't go racing to that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I could, def- uh, I I could can, definitely I go. Sure. Oh, go ahead, Monica. So, you know, um, you know, technology is a wonderful career path for anyone. You know, tech careers are high demand, high wage, high skilled. And so and I believe there's every, you know, a place for everyone in tech. And so and there's such there's such diversity in, in those jobs. And so, um, as you know, technology leading the way and it's changing everything, but it's also planning opportunities everywhere. So there are benefits of having, you know, both men and women in, in those teams. And so. Um, again, technology is something that is leading the way. And I think it's just a great opportunity for anyone to get into tech, especially women. So, yeah, I really think, um, just all the perspectives that, you know, we can provide, uh, when at the table, that's so, so important. And just having that voice and new ideas, new perspectives. I think that's the, the biggest thing I think about, about why it's so important for women to be in technology. I agree. And that diversity in general is, is key. So like, the diverse perspectives, experiences, all of it. Um, it's great to have women at the table to be contributing to those conversations. So now I'd love for each of you to give a little context for your for the listeners about you personally. So let's talk about your personal experiences. Firstly, when or how did each of you know that you wanted to get into tech? I mean, from what I can remember, you know, I always thought um, differently. I had that entrepreneurial mindset. Um, and just kind of give you an example, when I was 10 years old, I ended up having um, for like for Christmas, I ended up having my parents um, buy me one of those gumball machines that like you can, it looks, it was one of those like Walmart or whatever ones, but you just, you put a quarter in, but you don't have to really have to put money in. It would still like, you know, it still give you a gumball without having to put money in. And so I asked that for my parents. And so I got that for Christmas and then I would ask my, like, then I would go on a playground and sell the gum and get money for the gumballs, you know? And so I was just like, I always thought like, how, you know, how can I, make money or how can I be more creative? How can I solve a challenge? So just kind of having that um, that background of like, you know, problem solving um, and just kind of the technical, of like, how can I make something better? You know, and so a little bit 
I guess that's like my kind of experience from like where I, when it all started, I always kind of thought differently. Well, that, and for myself, I, um, I also found interest in it at a very young age. I loved, you know, playing with computers, just messing around with them and kind of figuring out um, how they worked in the back end. And then kind of moving on to like middle school, high school, I actually went to a take your kids to work day with my mom. So my mom is a very big uh, reason why I'm, I'm, you know, here today is she was a um, business analyst at a company here in Omaha. And so going to take your kids to work day, I loved, um, I loved just being in that environment. They were doing agile, they were doing standups and ceremonies. And I was able to see that in middle school. And I found that really, really exciting. I loved um, just seeing the process and the collaboration and how she was, you know, facilitating meetings and how she was kind of leading the um, the group and helping them out. And so from from there, I started in high school going to some of the different um, knowledge sessions that UNO had, learning about some of the different paths that you can take in te- technology because there's just so many, I feel like so many different avenues. And so I went, you know, went in, officially decided that I wanted to um, study management information systems, uh, went to college for that, got the I uh, got my degree in that and did go down the business analyst path similar to my mom. Um, from there, I've you know moved into the admin role and I've been loving it since then. That's awesome. I love hearing these stories. I happen to know Kate and Monica outside of this conversation, um, but I had no idea that this was your background. So this is great to hear. Um, my journey has been definitely kind of all over the place, which I appreciate. I have a lot of perspective, I think, with that. But um, one of the things that has kept me in tech is the types of opportunities it provides to others. So I um, am a huge advocate of empowering people to do, you know, things that they didn't think were possible or that they hadn't had access to or exposure to before. Um, So one of uh, my projects that led me to tech that I always reference, and I haven't thought about this in a long time, but whenever I think about it, I'm like, yeah, this is the perfect spot for me. But when I was a master's student at UNO studying management information systems like Kate, I remember in my capstone program or my capstone course, we had the chance to work with Project Harmony. And so Project Harmony helps kids who have had, um, um, you know, just abusive things happen to them. And it's, you know, very sad and unfortunate. But we were presented with the opportunity to help them. Uh, streamline the way that they captured the video interviews with those kids and law enforcement and other people um, in protective type of services for the kiddos. And that project had a huge impact on me. So I wasn't a a developer on that project. I didn't build the application, but I was the project manager on it. And just being able to help drive the work, help the team clear impediments and all of that stuff, even though I wasn't a developer, um, has been hugely impactful to me because, like Monica said, there are there's such a variety of jobs in tech. Um, so this was one of the times where I felt that I could add a lot of value in tech, even though I wasn't going to necessarily build an application. Um, and I've continued to spread that word and also um, have that type of career since then. So anyway, I think that's great. Very and I think that's inspiring. That, that- different background of different things that you have does bring a lot of um, benefits to, to an organization and just, you know, in tech in general. So it's just great when people do have that background. So, mm-hmm. and you've been a great supporter of, of a lot of the women and things that in, in the community, Shana. So just, I want to give you a 
high five, Thank virtual you. high five. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So next, what barriers did you all face while getting into tech or even what barriers might you still face? So I can speak a little bit. So my background and experience has is more in like the tech business and IT leadership side. So my perspective is a little bit unique. Um, some of the barriers overcoming my own, I think it's overcoming my own insecurities, um, you know, and just that imposter syndrome of, of being a female in IT leadership um, industry um, can be intimidating, you know. And so I remember doubt, doubting if I should even apply for the position that w- that opened up, you know, was director of IT leadership. And I, I, I had like 90% of the things that, you know, the qualifications, right? And I was still like thinking, like, should I apply? Should I not apply? I mean, I I, I qualified, but then I then I had my coworker that like made maybe seven years, like, and it's this is it's a real statistics when they think of, you know, like when men apply versus women apply, right? He applied and he was like so excited. He's like, and I was like, wait, you apply? Like, you don't like, uh, but then again, like limiting my own, um, you know, beliefs and, and, and insecurities. And so I applied and I ended up getting the position and just, um, so just, I feel like my own confidence and my own insecurities and imposter syndrome, just kind of overcoming those barriers. Um, and, and specifically in, in that IT leadership role, you know, has been something that I've learned um, getting out of my own way, you know. Yeah, I would definitely second that. I was going to say, you know, exactly the same thing that it's, it's really my own mind that, that I'm trying to kind of battle and work through um, feeling like, you know, you aren't good enough or you don't belong here. Maybe you aren't smart enough. Um, you know, you maybe you aren't the right fit for that role, but then everybody else tells you that, you know, you'd be a great fit and that you should go apply and you should um, take that chance. And um, something else for my background is I did come from um, a small school. So I only had about, you know, 50 others in my class and I didn't see anybody else um, that was going you know, into technology, um, no one that looked like me, no one that, you know, I could relate to. So um, from that, I think it um, really just made me second guess and, um, you know, not feel like I really fit in. But, you know, once I got into college and found those support groups, um, it definitely helped and helped push me forward and um, helped me work through the imposter syndrome. Yeah, same here. And I, I definitely experienced a lot of that early in my career and also being like a black woman in, in tech, tech adjacent tech roles in Nebraska, where there are not very many of us. I don't live in Nebraska anymore, but I still work for a Nebraska based company. Um, so the majority of my career was spent in Nebraska, if that helps. <laughs> but uh, definitely have experienced, especially early in my career, my fair share of naysayers, if you will. And um, I will say that on the flip side, one thing that has helped me a lot is having a strong support system. And I think that's one of the things that you'll probably get into this. I might be jumping ahead, Sydney. But I think one of the things that we can do as women and allies of women um, is to be more supportive and to provide those mentoring opportunities, job shadows, et cetera, like just reach out and be proactive about that. Because um, I think that really made a difference for me because I could have opted out a long time ago. But like Kate and Monica, I'm sure have had people along the way who have said, just stick with it and you'll find your place. And I have. So awesome. Well, that's a great lead in. We started to get into a little bit of that support system talk. Can you guys share any specific like key experiences or advice that really helped you become successful in technology? Sure, I can start with this one. We'll just kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, but uh, one of my favorite stories from back when I was a help desk person representative, sorry, let me be respectful. It's a hard job. 
a help desk analyst a long time ago, um, was I was really uh, struggling with that imposter syndrome and just trying to fit in. And it was like definitely an all boys club back then for that type of role. Um, and I remember having some conversations that were maybe not very appropriate or supportive and having a female colleague who uh, was in a project manager manager role at the time overhear some of these conversations and take me aside at a lunch and say, you know, it's really not okay that those types of comments are made around you and you really need to like not allow that to happen. And the funny thing is at that time I was like, wait, I can ask for that to not be happening around me. Like, because I hadn't been there that long, I thought of all the reasons why I should not be able to speak up for myself. And so uh, one day it took me a while, but one day I did, I was like, okay, she's right. This is annoying. And it really sucks to be in this position. But I asked, I was like, look, I don't like this kind of conversation happening around me. And they were like, oh, we're sorry. It didn't stop immediately, but it was very empowering to me to speak up for one, feel heard second, and then also to see things change over time. That was one of the catalysts, I think, for all of the um, the things I've done since then. But it's just one person saying you should not accept that. And then me saying, hmm, <laughs> I didn't know I could ask. So or that I should expect something different, you know? I can go this next. In the early 2000s, by the way, in case people are like, that sounds like nothing I've ever seen. It, it was a while ago. <laughs> so, I mean, Sally, I mean, you don't see it as much, but that stuff is, still happens, right? And so just being able to have someone that kind of brings it up and then having that courage to to speak up and speak up for yourself, um, just creating a better culture for everybody. Um, again, I think we're moving in that direction, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, but it does take just one person, right? So um, for me, I think um, just from, like, as I think about some of the things that have helped me be successful, just like investing in my own personal and professional development. Um, you know, if the company didn't have the budget for the training, you know, I wanted to take, I didn't, it didn't keep me from investing in myself. And I think there's a Warren Buffett quote that says like the best, um, investment you can make is in yourself. I think it's so true because, you know, again, a lot of times we, we often wait for, you know, to get picked or, or given permission to do something, right? But your investment in yourself, you'll have the return on investment, you know, um, does maybe not happen right away. But I mean, even with your annual reviews, like if you're, or if um, when my employer saw that I was investing in myself and, and growing myself in different areas, like they see that there's there's growth in that. And so um, I, I couldn't stress enough, like investing in your own personal professional growth, you know, so every year, um, I have a goal. I'm like I'll, I'll invest. Like I'll pick a you know whether it's a like a big goal or like a like fitness goal or like or just you know um, something that I want to attend. And a lot of times it's not easy because you know especially being a mom, a working mom. Like if I don't have to do something and it's not during the working hours, it's really hard to take that time for yourself. But like I can't stress enough like how important it is for your own personal and professional development, but also for your own mental and, and you know mental health and all that. And so um, investing in yourself. Um, that's something that will continue, especially with things that are changing. Change, things are changing so much and all the time. Like you can't, like staying the same is not an option. I mean, it is an option, but it's not a good one, right? And so just really like, you know, technology is changing. Like you should be changing as as a human, right? And so hopefully you're having some better things that you can be, you know, whether it's communication or, or um, you know, whatever it is, like invest in yourself. And then you don't have to think big. Like you can start with Udemy classes or you can, you know, you can maybe do, a workshop or, or whatnot, but really that investment is going to like, when it comes to your annual review, that's going to, you can ask for a bigger, bigger raise because it's not, it's not the standard 3%, right? Because you know what you're worth and you know that you're growing it yourself. And so 
Um, I think for me, that personal professional development, investing in yourself has really helped move my career a lot faster. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like I'm always better mentally uh, when I feel like I'm growing and learning. Um, it just helps long-term too. So I agree with that. Um, for me, it's it's been like the, my connections, my relationships have been um, a huge piece in my success. Uh, going into college, I joined the UNO Women in Mentoring program right away. And that mentorship really set me up for success, you know, the remaining of the four years and, you know, even still connect with uh, my mentors here today. Um, I was actually able to um, get into an inter- internship right away and start, you know, learning just some hands-on, um, hands-on skills that that I might have not been able to get um, without that. So I do really um, think that like mentoring and all of those different connections that you make throughout college and your career are really valuable because you can then, um, you know, reach out to them if, you know, down the road, if you need some additional advice or if you need guidance on maybe changing career paths, um, or if you do have that imposter syndrome and um, need to just talk through that. So that's been, you know, a huge piece of my success. Nice. And just to kind of add to that, you know, um, going to different networking events, building those relationships, you know, I think a lot of times, um, it's hard for us to ask someone to be our mentor. You know, when you think about other women, like we sometimes it feels intimidating or it feels like, oh, I I need like I feel like I need something, but I don't I don't want to ask for something, you know. But um, so just really looking in a way that, you know, how can I provide value to this person? And but also in a way that like that she is, she could be a mentor, right? And so not not being as afraid to ask. Cause I've no I've also noticed a lot of women that like the, especially in the leadership role, like the ones that are a lot higher, like they, they want to give back, you know? And so if you are genuine and you really want to grow, like they, they, they will invest in you and, and, you know, mentor you. And so um, I can't, you know, the, the, the relationship mentorship is, is a really big part of, um, of the growth. Um, but then also like Shani, you mentioned having people that support you. Like, so for me, um, luckily I've been able to have a great manager where she really kind of just continues to like give me opportunities and help me grow. Right. But not everyone has that, you know, and so just being able to be more aware of, you know, is your manager helping you grow or is are they kind of preventing you from growing, right? And so just just doing just kind of being more aware of that and and not um not getting upset if it's not there, right? Because maybe that's not the path for you. And so just knowing that there's opportunities with with other um organizations that especially now nowadays, like you don't um, if, if, if where you are is not where you want to be, just know that there are options, right? You're not stuck. And so um just knowing that there are people that want to support you, there are organizations that want to, you know, invest in you. And so I think that's awesome. A little bit of a combination of fighting for yourself to find those groups. And then once you do, they're all there to support you. Um, and so next, I would like to talk about this quote unquote problem and what it looks like in the world today. So this is a little bit geared towards those of you that are comfortable speaking to the stats. So bear with me. But to start broadly, when you look at technology as a broad field, how prevalent are women in that part of the workforce today? I think about this stuff a lot, um, just in the just due to the, to the nature of the work that I do. But um, I'll say, and I'm not quite capable of to hear your thoughts on this, but I think you'll see or I see at least a lot more women in leadership roles, um, business analysts, project management, QA testing, roles like that. Um, so people, leader, product, support type of roles. Where I think there's a huge opportunity is on the software engineering and architect side and also on the information security and assurance side. 
huge opportunities, not a lot of representation. Um, you do have schools that are trying to support this. There's a school in South Dakota drawing a blank on the name right now, but um, they have an entire program dedicated to women and in information security and supporting them, building them up, providing opportunities for them to connect with other women who are in this space and each other. Um, but just backing up, I think that's where I see more representation are on those other roles, but I would love to see more on engineering and architecture. Yeah, I think just even in general, like speaking of, of I, we have this perception that like technology, IT, you know, it's like, it's very intimidating and there's also, you can only be like a coder or, you know, just web development, but there's so many non-technical jobs that you can be still be in the tech field, working with the IT department, working with the tech people. And so um, just thinking of all the non-technical jobs, but you can still be in the tech, you know, tech field. And so knowing that there's a lot of opportunities within, um, within this growing tech uh, industry, um, Really, really find being able to find a place for yourself, you know, whether it's um, like, like you mentioned, this, the cybersecurity, right, like that industry or even project management, like you're working with IT teams. And so just um, there's a lot, obviously, like the stats are not great when it comes to the representation of women. But I feel like I feel hopeful, you know, the fact that there is a lot of opportunities um, and support like that, that is starting to be available when it versus when it was when we were just getting started. Right. And so um I don't know if that answered the question, but <laughs> yes, great, wonderful. Um, and that really, that's awesome. That goes into kind of the broad and the narrow of of where we all gravitate to and, and where there's some kind of holes for us to fill in as women. So now I'd like to talk about why this problem might exist. And I'll give you guys a couple of leads with a couple of different questions, but really take it wherever. Um, so are women getting burnt out in the technology industry? And if so, then why? Well, I feel like, you know, in general, the la even just thinking of the last three years, um, you know, they've been challenging for everyone, especially um, women, or just women in general, but especially, you know, women in tech. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, women that were report reporting burnout, you know, their versus their their male colleagues, like there's there's definitely a huge, huge percentage, you know, um, I feel like a lot of women took on more responsibilities. And so when you take on more responsibilities, you're not getting paid more. Um, it's kind of like you're doing more for less and it's just more like a burnout, but there's also taking on more responsibilities in the home. You know, sadly, you know, back in the day, it was like a woman stays home and takes care of the, the family, the kids, the, all this stuff, you know? And so doing more, you know, childcare and doing all more housework, um, Luckily, my husband is a chef, so I didn't have to experience that, you know, and then my kids are like, so we tag team. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but there's a lot of women that like, you know, they cook, you know, they clean, they do all the different things and like they and they still work, you know, and so um, that's just a lot to take on, you know, and so as women, we're like, oh, we're going to take on more, we're going to do more things and we're going to make things better. But like, in reality, like we're all kind of, it just burning us, you know, it's it's a lot to take on. And so um whether it's women in tech or just women in general, there's just a lot more more things that came on, you know, um, from the pandemic that really just like increased a lot of the burnouts, especially in women. I definitely agree with that. Um, yes, my my perspective is a little different. Um, I, I think it's definitely um, a piece of it that um, maybe some others have experienced too. But um, I know when I was in my previous job role, I definitely felt burnout, and I was trying to figure out why and kind of think through you know, why I was feeling that and maybe what the cause of that was. And um, for me, I just felt like, you know, my skills were underutilized or I wasn't quite in the right 
role. I was still for sure interested in staying in technology, but I didn't quite know where to go or what I was interested in. And then also, like we talked about, like the imposter syndrome of, well, like if I go into maybe a more technical role, like do I even belong there? Do I know enough? I think all of that kind of combined into burnout or just not knowing if, you know, this was the right path or just confusion. So I think then tying the mentorship um, conversation that I was talking about before helped a ton too. Like it helped, um, you know, guide me into where I'm at today where, you know, I did end up applying for a more technical role. And I feel like I'm in a lot of, a lot better place right now. Um, I feel like I um, utilize my skills and I'm passionate about what I'm doing and I'm excited. So um, thinking about others, I think that might be a piece of it too, is, you know, they're their skills may be underutilized or they might not be in the you know exact right role and they just don't know where to go um, from there. So having that mentorship and guidance um, would help all of that. Yeah, these are interesting perspectives. So in, in my role, I lead a team. And so I get the opportunity and I'm very fortunate for, for this to help them clear roadblocks like this if they come up. And so I also truly value transparency and people being them, their authentic selves. And so if that means someone comes to me and they're like, look, I have a lot going on with kids in school and things like that, then I'm like, let's talk about what will make that work better for you. Because there's, there's no real value in overworking people to the point where they cannot be productive and, and supporting the mission of the organization. So I'm always thinking about ways to provide some better support for our associates and our company has a culture of supporting associates in general. So it's like, we won't, we, not that we won't tolerate burnout. It happens obviously. Um, but if we're having conversations about it, then I'll do my best to help make that better for them. Um, but I think the culture of companies helps drive this as well. Unfortunately, unfortunately. And I think one thing also, just to kind of add to that, when you think of, you know, there's different burnouts, right? There's different things that, that are happening in, with different women. But um, what, why they're maybe leaving is the fact that there's not a lot of flexibility, especially after after the pandemic, knowing that you can work from home. Like, why do I have to be back in the office, you know, unless it's really a reason for for that? Um, so just having that flexibility, um, some, some organizations are not doing that. I know Mutual is really great about that. Um, and Farm Credit, you guys, you know, you, you worked out with your, what well, you guys works for you, right? But but there's some organizations that have to be back like full time. We're like, what? Why? Did, like, they're like, we never really left. I'm like, wait, what? Like, that's a thing. Like, they, there's still there's some organizations in Nebraska that like just went back right back five days a week, you know. And I was like, well, you guys have an IT team. You don't have to be back, you know. And so, so just a lot of culture sh- shifts, you know. But again, go, having the flexibility for women when they don't feel like they're stuck and they can't, you know, be able to take care of the kids or do do things like that. Like, there's just that 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 burnout of like there's just a, a lot to handle, you know. And I would say too that it's important for companies and you know teams to be proactive about that too. So the last thing that you want to do is wait till someone reaches the point of burnout and then talk about how to address it. But if you're thinking about okay, how can we make sure that teams have work-life balance? It's like a funny term these days, but um, have some sort of balance and flexibility in their schedule where they have time to think and be creative. This is something I was just talking about with my team today, but that's important to them. So how do we figure out how to make that part of how we think about the work we commit to in an upcoming iteration, things like that. So anyway, yes. <laughs> awesome. I think balance is really hard to do on our own enough. Mm-hmm. So having that organizational support of it 
is amazing and does wonders. Maybe what are the barriers to entry? We talked a little bit about barriers early, but in terms of why this might happen, what are these barriers to entry or barriers to sticking with technology? Is there anything we haven't talked about in terms of these barriers for technical careers, especially ones that might be more prevalent for women than men? A lot of it is this kind of historical mindset about what it takes to have developed a skill in IT. And so what we'll we'll often see on on job descriptions at many companies is like X number of years of experience. I won't even say what they are because they're kind of irrelevant to me, but X number of years of experience to demonstrate that you can do a certain job. Um, Makes sense for doctors, absolutely, but uh, not necessarily in all tech roles. So I think that um, companies being more open to different types of experiences and people like coming to the table with aptitude and potential will help. Um, but I think that is one of the bigger roadblocks. And it kind of goes back to one of the points Monica mentioned earlier about um, women in general. And this is like reported on in multiple places. I cannot quote a source right now, so I won't even try it. But if we don't meet 90% or more of the criteria in the required skills on a job, we won't even apply. And so if the first thing is you must have X number of years of experience and you're like, well, I have like a fraction of that, but all the other skills, then you might just skip that opening altogether, you know? So um, I think some of that does get in the way for people. Yeah. And I, I agree. And also the the first, so there's, you know, there's the tech shortage, right? The tech tech shortage of, of professionals to fill the tech jobs, but there's also, there's a lot of different gaps. There's also the soft skills gap. There's also the first job in tech, you know, uh, getting your first job in tech where it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're, we're trying to find the education, but they're not going to have years of experience. And so it, like, it's really important for employers to kind of look at it like, okay, there, there's interest in that, right? And so being able to have that partnership with with some of the, whether it's it's colleges or even, you know, the nonprofit like ours, it's really important for, it's not just the, the institution, but really being able to help other people with the, like the businesses itself, you know, to, to make sure that they have at least given a chance because that help prevents a lot of people, you know, like I got this tech training now, I'm like, I don't, nothing really changed, right? And so being able to have a different, um, one thing that we're looking into is, is apprenticeship. You know, a lot people focus on internships, but that's also only from colleges, right? Not, there's a lot of career changers that need that, that step, you know, the the foot in the door, you know? And so apprenticeship is, is one thing that we're kind of really focusing on is like, how do we get these entry-level people a foot in the door to kind of uh, at least give, have a given a chance, you know? And so, um, again, I think the like Shana mentioned, there's like the the thing that I have to go to college for four years and do all this stuff, which if you, there's some careers that you do, but you know, there's a lot that you don't. And so I think a lot of times there are not a lot of knowledge of, of not knowing that it doesn't take that long to get into a tech career. And again, there's a lot of tech, non-technical careers that you can still be part of a tech team, you know? And so, um, so I think just not knowing or not not knowing how long it's going to take or not knowing or not having the resources to get to get your foot in the door with some of those organizations. I kind of think the kind of the flip side too um, is bringing that awareness to, um, you know, girls at a younger age too. So, um, you know, thinking about my experience going to high school, I didn't really know much about it until, um, you know, of all the different careers until kind of later um, as I was searching for um, for different opportunities. And so I think um, just continuing to do um, 
different organizations like the you know Girls Who Code and going to high schools and you know talking about um, all of the different opportunities um, would be super super helpful as well um, because I think if if I was shown that early on I would have maybe been a part of different courses or maybe um, learned a couple things prior to going to college so um, that would definitely help I think get more women interested and learn about it early on. I agree. Um, I do want to just go back to the apprenticeship point. There are companies in town that are in town, Omaha, that are already doing that. And I think one of the things that we may not do a great job of is promoting that those companies that are already investing in their talent and providing these like longer term, you know, we'll train you and we'll mentor you and support you and help you, you know, develop your career in tech. So I think there's like a a promotional opportunity there that makes sense to just start telling more of these stories um, because it's certainly a gap still, as Monica mentioned, but there is some good traction. It's just not well publicized, I don't think. Yeah. And just even just kind of sharing like what's working with, with your organization that mm-hmm. we can implement to the other organization. I mean, there's like just um, a huge, uh, you know, talent, t- talent of people. And also there's a lot of organizations that could be using that. And so we can help each other along the way, like what's working, what's not working. And even in, in different states as well, you know, there's a lot of successful programs, but like, where the, what does that look like? So like, how can we bring that to here? Um, but kind of just, just uh, kind of what Kate mentioned is like, in, also, like like you mentioned, having that early exposure to STEM, right? Um, a lot of times we don't get that till, especially in the underserved communities. So AIM is really fo- focused on providing those those free tech experiences to uh, kids ages seven to seventeen. And so, um, again, it's it's great to be able to like let them know that this is this is actually like it's not intimidating. It's fun, and I can be a drone pilot for you know a UP or you know just. It's, there's just a lot of um, opportunities for us to to expose kids early on, especially in the underserved communities, to diversify that that tech workforce. One more thing, this is supportive of what Monica just said, is that um, it's especially in underserved com- communities, and this kind of goes back to a point Kate made earlier that her mom was a VA at a company, so she had that early career exposure, being able to job shadow, um, you know, meeting people that are doing that work on a day-to-day basis. Um but having companies invest back in or reach back, if you will, into schools and be a part of that and support those opportunities is super huge. And helping those kiddos build connections in the tech workforce that they won't be able to otherwise. It's impossible um, in most cases. So I'm glad AIM is doing that. So it's good stuff. So finally, I'd like to close out today's episode with some talk on action items. So what is being done currently in our communities to help solve this issue? And I know we went into a little bit of that already. So AIMS a not-for-profit with the mission to grow a strong and diverse tech talent community, you know, through career development, educational programs, and outreach. So we're really intentional about going into schools, engaging those kids earlier on um, to kind of expose them to the STEM um, programming so then they can ha- get excited about, you know, STEM and going into a tech career. Um, but then also, you know, uh, you know, so having, we provide uh, tech education um, for th- for people that wanting to get into tech, right? And we, we break all those barriers. So there's scholarships available for anyone that wants to get into tech. Um, and then from that, we also provide that mentorship. So if you're looking to, to get into tech, we're, we work with uh, different members to make sure that you can at least get your foot in the door and get those interviews, you know, um, just to get those, uh, bridging those gaps, you know, from the first, first job in tech. Um, besides that, you know, we have the leadership academies, um, which is more for adult learning and how do we get more women into leadership roles, right? And so um, a lot of organizations, including including Mutual, you know, they, they uh, 
sponsor uh, people to go through this program together to help advance their uh, IT leadership skills, to be able to kind of be those those leaders in their community and in, in their companies. And so, um, again, there's just a lot of different things that that we do to bridge those gaps because it's not just the tech talent gap. It's there's that leadership gap. There's that, um, you know, for job and tech talent gap. And so AIM is really uh, focused on, on building that strong and diverse tech talent community through some of the initiatives. Yeah, for me, for me, I I I definitely see and still um, still attend and support a lot of the UNO uh, events and programs that they have put together for women in technology. For example, the Women in IT Mentoring Program found um, very um, very great value in that, as well as some of the different community groups that um, that they kind of mention um, in that group. Um, I didn't realize all of the different community groups outside of UNO when I was in college. So I think that's something that, um, you know, can continue to be mentioned and announced is that it's great to connect with others outside in the community versus just um, at UNO. Um, so I think continuing to host those events, uh, bringing, you know, bringing women into that um, is super valuable. So um, at Mutual, I have the privilege of being a part of a few pilots. So we have our own internal apprenticeship program that we partner with um, um, Metropolitan Community Colleges Code School we have for the last four years. And through that, we're sending people who are on the business side or in non-technical, sorry, not non-technical, non-engineer careers in IT through this training to help them get onto an engineering career path. So that's one um, program that we started off in, in 2018 and then we just started a branding pilot with Don't Panic Labs in Lincoln, where we're sending our associates through a 20-week training program where they're pretty much dedicated to that program for the entire time. And then they come back to work with new skills. So we're just looking at a lot of different options to help our associates advance their skills, modernize their skills, um, whatever they need to do to stay you know, relevant and supported by us. So we're pretty proud of those programs. Um, Outside of Mutual of Omaha, I still do a lot in the community, even in the Omaha community virtually. So I work a lot with Mystery Code Society, which is a, a nonprofit organization uh, made up of female volunteers who are all tech professionals, and they donate their time teaching coding classes and various technical classes to um, non-cis male-identifying I'm sorry, non male students. So super exciting. Uh, Code Black, led by David Pollock, I support that as well. So he's really focused on helping increase the uh, Black and his Latinx representation in IT. So love those efforts and just many others like that, including the Nebraska Tech Collaborative. I co-chair the Workforce Pipeline Committee. So we're, we have a few initiatives underway focused on internship collaboration, incumbent worker training, which is existing employees and helping them get into tech jobs. Um, and then also just data collection and, and things like that. So I stay active in Nebraska, even though I don't live there. <laughs> I know you want to come back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> awesome. Lots of good work happening. And I've got one final question for you guys to close it out. What do we need to start doing or do more of to truly solve this problem? I think, I think so. Go ahead, Monica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think just a lot of times we think we have to like have a certain status to like turn around and pull someone else back, right? But I think anytime you get ahead a little bit, like 
who else can you bring along to like, who, you know, how can you bring someone along? And so um, don't wait for like this, this moment where like, oh, close to retirement, I can now give back. No, it's like, I, like you have some responsibility to be able to turn around and, and like, who else can you bring along? And so look within the, the, your, your community or just even your organization, like who is someone that maybe an intern that you can, you know, mentor. And so, uh, especially, you know, the female ones that, that, that can see the support of other women and, and maybe want to get excited about, you know, joining um, an IT workforce. And so, again, I think that, that, um, support and like mentorship and just again uh, bringing people along is is so important like having someone that cares that that wants to see you succeed as well in that in that field I think is something that has been helpful for me and it's uh, that's something that I try to do I was gonna say the exact same thing like the the connections and the relationships are so so important and so you know being that one to you know maybe reach out to an intern or you know a you know a new woman in the company I, I think it shows a lot and it um yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great connection and um, somebody that you can reach out to down the road. Yeah. And outside of these two great ideas, if you're feeling super ambitious, one very easy thing you can do in most communities is um, connect with your local library, which I'm a huge fan of. But they're often looking for people to come in and teach classes. So it's uh, typically not a paid opportunity. So be prepared for that. But that's really not the point. It's really about um, connecting with people in the community, sharing opportunities in tech, things like that. I've started several meetup groups and have gone to different communities and led workshops on very basic intro to web development, but it's amazing to me how new it is to so many people. So it's never, it's never a waste of time to give back in that way. And now I think a lot of employers too, that's great to see is that they actually give volunteering hours. So if you're looking to volunteer and you're you're in IT or tech, like definitely reach out to the organizations that are looking like your library or even some of the programs that we have, like we're always looking for teachers or always looking for people to share their IT journey. And so um, just kind of connect with any any of those nonprofits or just, you know, in, in general, like the library or any, any other places that, you know, could could use that knowledge that you, t- you take for granted because you're like, oh, everybody knows this, right? But right. you've been in it for so long that that just a little bit can like change someone's life. It can literally change the trajectory of someone's life, you know, and then especially being low income, like it change the trajectory of, of their entire family. And so um, when you really just take the time to to share your knowledge and invest in your community. Well, awesome. Thank you, ladies, for joining here today and giving some inspiring advice and sharing your experiences. Um, I think that'll be a wrap on this episode of Try Catch. Thank you very much.